Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Make sure that if you missed part one of this conversation, you tune into last week's episode and then come back and enjoy part two of our discussion on Jesus versus religion. We choose to add things because what you're talking about, there's a there's a level of vulnerability that has to happen to do the things that you're that you outlined. That to to be able to surrender yourself, because you can't do both. You cannot have, you cannot be on the fence because you're trying to have a foot in both worlds. Either you can live for yourself or you can live for God. There is no other way around it. And so when you live for yourself, you have, there's this temptation to be able to take these things that could very easily in the wrong hands be manipulated and have them mean something that they don't. So when I talk about religion, these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about, right? People have used Jesus to justify many, many requirements, catch the air quotes, to being a Christian. Just a few in the countless insisting that church meets on a certain day in a certain place. Only certain forms of music can be used at church. Only a certain um, translation of the Bible can be used. Alcohol means you're going to hell. Rock music and playing drums means you're going to hell. One that I personally enjoyed hearing about, hairstyles. And we're not talking about women. (laughs) (laughs) I will never forget going into my childhood church. It's the one that, you know, you guys hear me tell the stories about the Baptist church that I I grew up in. Well, afterwards, um, when I was still in my soul-searching phase, I went back there. And let me tell you guys, I am am a millennial, so I grew up in the early 2000s like everybody else and was a goth kid like so many people my age. So here I am walking into this Baptist church with a black dress shirt on, black pants, long black hair to the middle of my back, earrings in, and the whole nine yards. I promise you the looks I that everybody in that in that church thought that thought that I had the devil in me, that this kid right here needs Jesus and and a good baptism. It's it's like the baptisms where somebody yells, hold him down till it takes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. One of the most famous examples of what I'm talking about here is the very thing that I rag on so often. Okay, it's not hard to know that I take a lot of pot shots at the KJV. And part of that has to do 100% with where, with how I grew up in the church that I grew up in. Because the King James Version was the soup du jour of that church. And so, um, and honestly, I get that it's a highly regarded translation. I really do. Um, giving any translation allowance for people to sit on a hill about anything, like it is the holy and sacred text, 
um, is a problem. And people do that also with things like the ESV, NIV, NLT, and so on and so forth. So it's not just the KJV. So I have to acknowledge that. But it's interesting that these are that some of the same people, many of the same people who have this kind of relationship with the church are the, some of the same people, our Father who art in heaven, uh, hail Mary, full of grace, and these very very specific uh, prayers with very very specific verbiage. Well, what is the thing that we have talked about a lot on this show that that re that resembles? Oh, I don't know, witchcraft, spells incantations that's not how god works god's not a genie you don't work you don't rub the lamp and get your three wishes that's not how that works and if you don't say and do the exact right thing in the hand gestures and the whole nine yards that's not how this works and it's the same thing with our man-made rules and i want to camp here for a second on a very very particular topic and this is something that i um, this is kind of at the crux of part of why I am so incredibly passionate about this. I have watched so many divorced women get treated like the village whore. Oh, I said it. I understand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My eyes fell on the floor. Hold on. Yeah, whoa. Up. He said it. He said it. But I promise you, church, if that offended you, I'm sorry. If you are hearing this and you feel offended right now, I am sorry. But let me ask you something. If you were the person that was sitting in the back of the pew with as a single parent, as a single mom, as a single dad, how offended would you be if you were treated like the like the town leper because of the, because of things that happened in your life? And I'm not excusing the the breakup of marriage. That's a heartbreaking thing to God, to man. It's like the most humbling thing that you can go through as a human it is like it is impactful and if it isn't impactful then that reflects a lack of appreciation for what the marriage covenant is and i'll be the first one to tell you that when i was married the first time had a divorce it wasn't that important to me i wasn't saved then i was playing church kid and so to me it was like um being a being a, 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 a boyfriend girlfriend on steroids you know what I mean? I didn't under I didn't conceptualize the gravity of the situation. So please understand that through life experience, the gravity of the situation is not lost on me. And I'm not trying to belittle the incredible significance of divorce. But again, I go back to the scripture that I read about before, that there is no limitation on the blood of Christ. Okay? That's not how this works. Look at the woman at the well. Look at how Jesus. Jesus operated and the people that he took counsel with. Look at his people. One was a tax collector. One murdered Christians. One was Peter, who was ridiculous in and of himself, and, and so on and so forth. This is not the most pristine men to be found anywhere. That wasn't the type of person that Jesus associated with. And so I see these rules and I see these regulations, but I also see people falling away from the church because we care more about political affiliation than serving the lost and hungry and broken that are out there. These silly divisions 
that are so rampant in the church matter more than our holy and set apart position to be the intercessory for those who don't know better or for those who need it or what have you. And by don't know better, I mean those who don't know Christ. I don't mean to um, insult anybody. I just mean that that for people that, that don't have that relationship, that don't have that place to, tur to turn to. And predominantly, you see all of these opinions and all of these, um, all of these points of view espoused on social media. Predominantly in today's world, multimedia, YouTube, podcasts, the whole nine yards. We've sang the song, we've beat the drum. That the whole that part of the reason why we even started this thing was to be able to have a home for scriptural truth, not opinions, but scriptural truth. But I also know that this is far from a new concept. We just happen to be in a time where, like you said, Edgar, it's right in front of your face. It's so easy for that to be front and center spewed, especially right now where many people in this country, many people in this world, are um, more isolated than ever. And I'm not speaking to pro this or non that, but the truth of the matter is that many people are more separated from God and more, or sorry, there's more people who feel isolated than ever before because of the current state of affairs. And so when you have this solitary and not part of a collective and then on top of it, echo chambers going on and all of that, it's so easy to get caught in this place where nonsense is spewed at the ready. And all you've got to do is wake up in the morning, go on Google, and you'll see how the world's on fire. And so... I, I camp here to say that I have watched some things, and obviously it's not hard, you know, anybody who's anybody could see the fact that I'm speaking right now out of a place of self-experience, of being told that I am going to hell, being told that my wife is going to hell, being told that everything that I'm doing is for naught because many people on these platforms want to present to you some version of progressive Christianity, some version of the truth, again, question or quotation marks of, you know, this is, this is this alternative take on Christianity. And this is how Christianity is lacking in some way. And they want to give you some, their version of what is the gospel and shift it into this mainstream message about how the church is bad. I'm not saying the church is bad. There are many churches that are doing the right thing. But what I am saying is that it shudders me to think how many people, I, alone how many people I've spoken with, but how many people there are that exist that have been turned away from God because of these, these man-made standards that we choose to turn back to. Because you're killing people with this stuff. People who take up this sword, you're killing people. I promise you. And I understand that's harsh, but it's true.
And so, and with this, you had mentioned before about pride. Pride is a very key thing when you talk about these things, because usually anybody that espouses this stuff, it has something centered around what they feel like they're morally doing right. You know, there's this sense of if you do all of the right things, you're hitting the moral high ground. Again, I proved in my life with my own actions, church, how easy lip service is. How easy it is to witness to other Christians and to say the right things and to raise your hand and firsthand see how easy it is to hide behind religious practices. And the thing is, is and, and the thing that I can't get out of my head when I think about this stuff is for somebody like me, how easy was it? But what about the person who doesn't realize that they're being a church kid? I was, I was doing it knowingly. What about the people that think they're doing it right because they inherited a faith that belonged to somebody else and has picked up bad theology along the way or is perpetuating a long-standing issue and all of that? It was so normalized a couple of weeks ago in our church group. We prayed over this woman who... Um, was just in a really, really dark place. That was a coworker of one of the people who um, is in our church group. That uh, really dark place, um, part of the gay community. And it was really um, refreshing to me that a group of believers could see past that glaring thing and still pray. Not get up on religious high horses, but actually pray. And again, it doesn't require you to, to the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, the difference between lip service and intimacy is lip, lip service doesn't require you to expose the vulnerable spots. It doesn't require you to open yourself up to seeing what needs to change. You can functionally know what the Bible says, but still be dead inside. Still not be transformed, but on the surface looking prim and proper. And so when we think of Jesus, you know, I mentioned before about hippie Jesus, right? this hippie that never got excited about anything and was overwhelmingly nice to everybody, treated everybody nice. When you actually read through the Bible's encounters of Jesus and the Bible's accounts of Jesus, you see a bit different of a picture. Jesus actually behaved very differently to different people. On one hand, he was incredibly compassionate towards the outcasts towards the broken. Whenever people came to him acknowledging their own, short, their own shortcomings, he lifted them up and healed them. To the woman caught in adultery, which the law said was punishable by death, Jesus said, go and sin no more. He offered healing and restoration to anyone who came to him and believed Plain and simple. But, but, when Jesus encountered religious men, 
Oh man, that was a different story. There was nothing nice about what he said to them. He called them things like vipers and whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. You had mentioned a big comparison that's often made is that they their deeds were like yeast. A little bit of religion goes a long way and would corrupt everything. Just a little bit is enough to stop somebody from being able to find the beauty that is life in Christ. There was one time Jesus got invited to a fancy dinner by a bunch of the leading religious men. Well, Jesus is one of the most significant figures in religion, in history, in of mankind. And here he is at a dinner with a bunch of the most influential men of his time. And we see that Jesus wasn't having any part of it. The first thing these guys notice is that he hasn't washed his hands. Oh man, dirty hands. Well, how does Jesus respond? Not very nice. Words like hypocrite come out. It says they're fixated on appearances, ignoring truth. He points out that all their religion and their rules don't do anything to make people's lives better. All religion does is weigh people down with burdens that they can never carry. Again, this isn't just religion. Like, um, you know, I think it's easy when we hear religion to say the Westboro Baptist Church, to say people that are, you know, like the Crusades. And like uh, we go to these extreme places because there's a measure of security to say that at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm not as bad as that group over there that's killing people in the name of Jesus. At least it's not that bad. Which begs the question is how much bad is okay? Exactly. That's there's that's the question that you hit that, that you have to address. That is the elephant in the room that you have to address is that, that if you say that what measure of bad is acceptable, because to say that means that a certain level of bad is acceptable. In the hell episode, we said we dare not live in a world where hell doesn't exist. Because that means justice doesn't exist. And we know that God is justice, God is love, God is God is the benchmark and the standard bearer. And so while it's unfortunate to think about that side of the coin, that side of the coin has to be acknowledged and it has to it has to exist. And again, to to speak to to how good or bad humanity is, all you have to do is look to history. And I'm not even talking about the Holocaust. To 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 see what man is capable of. To see what we are capable of apart from God. I'm gonna do a completely unattached thing that but it's connected with somehow maybe god knows why um people going to hell does hurt the heart of god it's right. not his intention exactly um it is important to understand that that's our decision right. we are 
destined for hell because of our bad behavior, our own bad behavior, and also the sin nature we inherited from Adam. Um, what is a big thought in my mind right now is that for God, each human being who has ever lived, will live, holds a piece of the breath that God breathed into Adam. That means a portion of what God is winds up in hell. And this is my thinking. Maybe it's not sound, but there is a tie, and is what I'm trying to say is there's a a a a tie God has to each individual life. This is as painful for him as it is for the person who's going there. We know that God breathed into Adam's nostrils. And because he did that, Eve was a, what I call a second generation creation. She was made from already made creation, Adam. So the breath that God breathed into Adam is now in Eve. And every child that came out of Eve was breathed in that same spirit. We today have that. Um, well, let me think this through. We today have that breath of God, which is not to say spirit where you, when you're born again, you get the spirit. Um, but we have that breath of God. We are distinctly different from every other creation, both spiritual uh, supernatural and the natural you know so here we have men women children who decide they don't want anything to do with god that have that breath that has descended through the generations that portion that makes them uniquely them the bible says before we were formed god knew us okay that's what they king david said so this person who was known before he was formed by God as going to hell. How painful that must be to God. And it's not his desire, but justice requires, and we talked about it, punishment. Just because you're an image bearer does not mean you get to get away with, as the saying goes, with murder. Right. Um, and we know that God's value system is totally different than our value system. If you hate your brother, you've committed murder in God's eyes, period. Right. So that should lead us to be more trembling than we normally are. We are before a holy God. And for us to make the mistake of being, I, I'm going to use the word superficial. I can't think of a different one right now, but not really treat it with the weight that it is, is, is something that we don't want to do. And if we tend to do that, then we're creating religion. There is no hell. God is going to empty everything out. God cannot, because I cannot, and I'm going to go back to the thing I mentioned with Oprah. I cannot rationalize a God who would throw people to hell. A good God doesn't do that. See, then I've created a new God. I have a religion. I don't have God. I don't have who he is. He says this happens, you know, is man a liar or is God a liar? Right. That is something we have to draw the line on and say, this is where we stand on this. 
And, and not to mention that, that it tends to involve misinformation from the start. So they're perpetuating misinformation, but there's a level of misinformation that has tended to get passed to that person, and then they expound upon that. And again, not trying to say the church is bad. People are innately bad, but I'm not trying to say everyone in the church is bad. Quite the opposite. If anything, we're so interconnected as a body that my desire is to see the church, large C, thrive. In America, by and large, we're failing. We're failing people around us. We're failing other people. And we're failing God. If you've heard any... If you've spent any measure of time in the Christian education system, a Christian ethics class, or mid to, uh, a mid-2000s megachurch service, you've likely heard some, some version of the story of sometimes homeless man, sometimes poor man, my personal favorite, the shoeless college-age surfer, getting all the nasty looks and being very out of place in a church service. Usually the story in some way talks about them staggering into a church service where um, everybody is in their Sunday best, everybody is in their religious best, and you've got this one person who's earnestly listening, but looks so incredibly out of place. And while it's easy to lose the important details when you hear that kind of story, I'll be honest, a cheesy story like that. The question stands, if Jesus walked into your church service on Sunday or whenever you guys meet, would you let him in? Have we become so focused on what Christianity means to Americans that we've lost sight of the true center Getting ready for this for this set of episodes, I wanted to address this interesting phenomenon that we have going on with our show. Um, while America is still the number one uh, highest customer or uh, uh, highest listener Geography. country, the second is India, and then there's there's a whole list of of countries after that. We, especially Ireland, you guys have been with us from like the very beginning, Australia, United Kingdom, Africa, and so on and so on, Greece, etc. The list goes on, but there's this very significant portion of our listener base of the people that are hearing this that you do not live in america so some of this stuff it's lost on you and i want to i want to recognize that um here's the thing though many of you guys live in an area where christianity isn't the dominant religion there's some other religion that is the dominant religion of your land and if you knew no better you'd think that's exactly the case in the united states in truth be told in some ways, that's exactly it. I asked the question over the political ridiculousness and the political season. If I took away the kingdom of America, would you still be a Christian? If I took away the American flag, would you still have a faith to stand on? 
Or are they so interconnected that that's the only thing that matters? Or your version of God that is the staunch guy smoking the cigar or is hippie Jesus? Is that so important to you that you would lose your Christianity at the hands of that? There are many Christians that are worshiping something that isn't God. At least not the God in the Bible. And unfortunately, there are many that fall into that category that, like I've said before, have inherited a version of God from their parents, from people in their church, from the people around them. And I'm not trying to judge. I'm not. I'm not trying to call out the, the, the misconceptions of other people because I had so many misconceptions about God because, based off of what I experienced and how I grew up. So I'm not trying to judge. I'm just not trying to. I'm just not settling for not talking about the elephant that's in the room, guys. My goal isn't to cause more conflict. My goal is not to create a, yet another division point for us to be like, we are the real Christians. You need to get up on our level. That's not my point. It's to expose the fake look that a lot of people sport when it comes to flaunting the name of God and you're turning other people away. Let's not get this let's not get this twisted. This is not whether or not you chose to eat at a certain restaurant. This is not what you chose to do with your life. This is the most important relationship that's ever been known to man. We need to be serious about that. That needs to be something that gets people fired up and gets people real passionate real quick because there are souls at stake. I have been told multiple times throughout this season, throughout COVID, throughout this year that I have an escapist theology. That I believe in a Jesus that was escapist. Ignore the world around you, stick your head in the sand, and forget about what's going on and just focus on Jesus. 85% of that is false. It's just focusing on Jesus part. I'm not escapist. I recognize the world that's bur that, that's burning around me. I just realize that as the church, we need to stop turning people away and be like, look. Craziness and foolishness is the soup du jour of what's going on. And we need to take our position maybe just a little bit seriously. The truth is, is that religion is a toxin within the body of Christ. It's a falsehood that only serves to harm Christians and discourage others from seeing the real power of the redeeming nature of God. I, I want to jump in because you said something a moment ago, and it really goes with your. We put we put a. I want to say a boundary, and this is the example I, I've talked with many other people. Some, some quite um, strict, for lack of a better word, in in their theology. Um, if a transgendered person came to you and asked about Jesus and getting saved, would you wind up telling them they first need to get their gender corrected and then get saved? Or would you tell them how to have God come dwell in them? This 
is where we can find out whether we have a religious spirit or not. We know where God is as far, I should say, most of us know where God is as far as what he wants to achieve for people in the sense of salvation. He's not out to um, make you follow a certain thing before you come to him. He wants you to come in with all you have. And I'm going to put it the way I would put it for myself. All my junk and come to him. Yeah. And be saved and allow him to teach me what I need to change through the Holy Spirit and engage with me. And we see that over time, people can develop a good understanding of what Jesus wants from them if they see it lived out before them. Mm-hmm. If they see the love, if they see the community, the Spirit of God brings a calibration to the person. Right. You know, an alignment, if you will. We do not have to bear the burden or bear the responsibility of changing someone. Um, when we do that, we tend to mess up things. And as Joe had mentioned, we create a reason for them to leave the church. We don't want them to leave the church. We want them to be the church. So there's a big difference with that. It's a wonderful thing that this is a relationship that we aren't necessarily responsible for. And we have ownership in the relationship, but we're not we're not the ones that have to do the heavy lifting in this relationship. The heavy lifting was done for us. And we don't have to maintain a certain level of good. By the grace of God, we don't have to uh, um, maintain a certain level of of good. I read a quote today that says, um, if you could lose your religion, you would, by Dallas Willard. And I'm like, "That's that, that hits the nail on the head. If you could lose your religion, you would. I would. You would. Anybody listening to this would because we're imperfect creatures because we will, we will screw up. And if that was a limiting factor, then that would, that would, that would come up the works. And if the, any of this, any of the wonderful gifts that we have been given by God or anything had to do with our, our good works, then we would, we'd be screwed. And so to say that our, our works don't matter is, is such an understatement. It's none of this is because we are good. We don't save souls because we're good. We don't do things because we are good, but because the one who indwells within us is good. Because the one we serve is good. And there's this growing misconception that the gospel as we know it is either misunderstood or incomplete. And is more of a moral guidebook. An abstract thought process, if you will, than anything else. And again, I think this is misinformation that has generational roots. So often we hear people that they think that they're going to go to heaven because they've been a good person. 
because they've done all of the right things. Thank God this does not rely on me ever being good enough. For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect. And in order to be one with God and to commune with God and to have that intimacy and that relationship with God that we talk about, in order for that narrative to, to check out, we would have to be perfect too. Only one person could ever do that. And the only one person could ever live up to that standard. And that was Jesus. And that's why it took Jesus to stand in the gap and pay the price for us. Our sins were erased because of Christ. Because of Christ's sacrifice. And so, um, through Christ, we're made perfect in, in God's eyes. We are forgiven from all sin, past, future, present. When we receive him, he gives us his Holy Spirit that has the power to change us and to make us more like him. This is a process, but as this happens, we begin to realize that we're living in the love originated, origi originally required by the law. The original intention, the heart of the law is established in our lives. And so... Through Holy Spirit, not by our efforts. Um, the Bible has to say in Galatians, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. So you are not free to carry our carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So when we look around at the church and what has happened in history, we see a lot of bad things and some good too. The key thing that has to be understood is that historically the church is predominantly a religious organization with man-made rules and controls. And this is evil. God is not in it. Good has been done by the few that truly understand what it means to be a Christian. These good, these, these look like Christ. You will know them by their fruits, as the Bible says. Is every single church bad? No. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that anything that has more to do with religion than it has to do with God 
unless you can point to a Bible verse and it says here, this is where it says you can't dance. This is where it says you can't have drums. This is where it says you can't have rock music. This is where it says that every single person who's ever gotten a divorce is going to hell and that the blood of Christ doesn't count for them. If you can't point to it in the Bible verse, then there's an issue because the scripture, the gospel, never contradicts itself. And so if your point of view contradicts scripture, then it's your point of view that needs to be reassessed, readdressed, and ultimately thrown out if in any way, shape, or form. It conflicts. Matthew says you can enter God's kingdom through only the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So don't don't look at, at what is the predominant nature of the world and look to that to be the guiding light. Don't look to what your favorite podcaster, don't look to what your favorite media personality, don't look to what your favorite human says about what is good and true and what matters. Only the Bible is the source of truth. Keeping with that, I, I think um, what the key ingredient for us in the, a key ingredient for us in the whole religion versus Jesus that we've been discussing is mercy. Right. Without mercy, we are missing a very big component. Matthew 9, 13 says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And that is an allusion also to, um, in the Old Testament, um, for Hosea 6, 6, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. We learn from the parable of the servant that God is merciful. And if we are his children, intimate in nature with him, then we also develop the character trait of mercy. We see that the bad servant, the unforgiving servant from Matthew is not bearing that. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm not going to go is kind of on the long side, but you can read it. He does not give mercy to the person who owed him a smaller amount of money after he was give, forgiven for an exuberant amount of money. A lot of money, you know, money that he wouldn't be able to make in his lifetime. He was forgiven that impossible debt. He was unwilling to forgive. So mercy is very important in distinguishing religion in our own personal lives from Jesus. Are we following Jesus or are we following religion? And I thought to myself, well, here's a question for me. What is the goal of religion? And two things that popped into my mind is to make me look pious like I have it together I'm a moral person I do the good things and 
it has its own temporary rewards. But what does Jesus says uh, say about it? Well, it's the same thing that Joe said. It's going to be the same scripture. I'm going to pull out Matthew 23, 27, and 8. What sorrow awaits teachers of religious laws and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Sounds like God doesn't like to be around these people to me. So what is the goal of Jesus? And we, we touched this before to honor and glorify the Father. But the one thing I want to bring out, the goal of Jesus, and this is a secondary goal, is to wed the church. We are to wed Christ, to become one with God. That's what marriage is, to become one with God. Right. Forever adoring God in relationship with communion. It is as some woman might say, I found the right guy forever. Jesus is that right guy. So you you cannot enter into this relationship with a formula. You cannot enter it with the ideal that you're going to wind up not being engaged. And I excuse the pun, but you're engaged to God and you engage him. So being intimate requires it doesn't require being intimate by its very nature is not a religion being intimate with god is you following god doing what god wants you to do connecting with god and engaging with him it is your safeguard so engaging over scripture versus reading scripture and we did this earlier before i'm not gonna um, rehash it but the the most important thing i could say is where are you on the mercy scale with others because your father is, has a very high mercy scale and he's always giving it out is that something that's part of your everyday life if not try to examine that right. talk to god about that read about that engage scripture about that what are the the um things scripture has to say about it and if you do have mercy what more can you do right and that that ties into the major things that I have discussed over the last two weeks. Um, these these concepts they're not easy ones to discuss. It doesn't bring me joy to sit here and to outline how we have etched closer to religion and a man-made God than we have the, the God of the Bible. When you look at these people that have experienced religion, that have experienced the backlash of hearing that what they have done in their life is enough to warrant an, in, an unredeemable experience that they are beyond any measure of redemption and that the bible says that that they're going to hell regardless let me tell you something for any of you listening that have been told that you are going to hell regardless that the blood of christ does not work for you because of something that you've done in your life 
Let me be the first one to tell you, if nobody ever has, that that is a falsehood and that you need to take that to God. Because that's any of these examples, be them the more extreme that I've brought up or lesser examples, um, they center around a lack of compassion and a lack of love and a lack of understanding and a lack of grace and a lack of mercy. And these are the very fundamental foundation points of God. So it doesn't matter if if it is politically driven, if it's decision-based driven, or what have you. Um, if you are working in any kind of absolute that precludes the love of Christ from anybody, sorry, but you've got to check yourself. And to close this out, as we wrap up here, I want to make it a point to say again, I understand that there's a lot of time-honored traditions that I have poked at over these last two episodes. And if you find yourself in a party of people that I have offended, well, you can send everything to Edgar at... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I can take it. <laughs> um... But the truth is, is my goal is not to just dogpile and turn around and make you feel bad like you've made other people feel bad because I have done things as a Christian that other people could look at and say, oh, that's how Christians act. So I'm not free from this. I'm really not. What I want you to understand is that this is this is for the betterment of the church and for the glory of God. This is for the souls of people. This is that this is something that is very important because we are so busy, church, fighting amongst ourselves that what good can we be to anything if we're so busy fighting amongst ourselves? In closing words, I want you to take that illustration into consideration that I drew. We are the United States is seconded by India as our um, the top listening countries for our show. And um, again, there are several other countries on that list that are made up of, that list is made up of countries that are predominantly not Christian countries. Christianity is not the number one religion. And so Christians in that area need to be able to um, fight past the white noise to be able to, and many are persecuted and everything like that. Well. If, if the shoe fits, if it, when you look at Christians that are just saying the gospel, that are just saying God, that are just saying Bible, that are speaking out against man-made traditions, and they're being treated like the ones that are causing the problem, the broken and the damaged and those that have experienced the bad part of life are there being treated like the unredeemable, then we, we've got our sights in the wrong place. We're dealing out of the wrong spot and we're working out of the wrong frame of reference and frame of mind. I promise you that, church. So to God be the glory, to him be the praise and the honor. That is what matters. Not we, what we think is right, but what we know to be true and right in God. 
He is the benchmark. He is the standard bearer. And when you look to see the group across from you that you want to immediately pick up a stone and throw it at, I'm going to get quaint in a little 90s here and say, what would Jesus do? How did Jesus react? How did Jesus operate? Can we ever be Jesus? No, we can't. But he set the standard. And we certainly know what direction to head into. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father, right now, I just pray for every listener. Father, they would have a hunger for you, the true you, not one that they've built up in their minds or had passed down to them. Father, but you, the God of the Bible, the eternal one, the indwelling, Father God, I just pray that you would manifest your presence, Father. They would know that they are dearly loved by you, that they can be fully vulnerable before you, that they would confess their sins and then they would ask you to use them to change the world, Father. They are all so important in your eyes, Father. These little breaths of you throughout the world who have a special mission to glorify and honor you so that the world will see and glorify their Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship, And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.